0: Today we'll be in Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to start with verse 10 and read through 13. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we have ushers in the aisle, and they would be happy to hand you one. If you'd like to take it home, please feel free to do that. It would be our gift to you. That's Philippians, the fourth chapter, starting with verse uh, 10. And if you have one of those Bibles from our church, that's page 923. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and this place we call Mission Valley Church. We ask a special blessing on Pastor Mike now as he comes to preach the sermon he has prepared that you've laid on his heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here today. Hey, you can have a seat. Uh, my name is Mike Lee and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. Uh, if you're new here today, if this is your first Sunday, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, and I would love nothing more than to, to kind of get to know you. And so there's a couple of ways that you and I can meet. The first is this. I'm going to be out in the uh, courtyard right after church. Love to shake your hand out there, uh, get to know your name. Another way that we can meet is if you'll just fill out one of those connect cards. Uh, Terry talked to you about it in the beginning. Fill it out at some point during the service. Stop at the info table, uh, and they'll get get that to me, and we can uh, connect that way. And then the third way, you can just text me directly if you'd like to, 602-763-3331. If you uh, didn't catch that, just ask somebody around. I give it out pretty much every week. So uh, today we're finishing the Book of Philippians. We've we've literally just walked through every single verse of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, and we've seen over and over again that we can have joy in all things. And so today, as we finish up this letter, as we as we get to the end of this letter, we come to uh, one of the most quoted verses in all of scripture. Uh, we see this scripture all over the place, all over the, uh, the, the world. We see it all over, different stuff. And it's Philippians four thirteen. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's a verse that is used often. And many times it's used incorrectly. And so whenever I come across this verse, it always reminds me of of a particular movie and and really a scene in that movie. And and if you just go with me for a second, the movie is The Princess Bride. Um, My oldest daughter, Michaela, refers to this as our movie. She'll say, Dad, you want to watch our movie? And this is what she's talking about. Uh, We've watched it together dozens of times. And between the two of us, we probably have every single line memorized. Uh, We we know all of it. Uh, It's a great movie and it's fun and it's predictable. And 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 it has some pretty memorable characters. And one of those characters is this guy, Vincini If you if you don't know him, here's the guy. Uh, he's the mastermind of the plot to, to kidnap Princess Buttercup and, and to, to, to like blame her kidnapping on the, the arch enemy uh, uh, of the of the area there. And throughout the beginning stages of the movie, Vinzini has a line and he uses it over and over and over again. And you probably know the line, you know what it is? What does he say? In- inconceivable. He says it over and over again. He says it when the man in black first appears. Like, it's inconceivable this guy to be here. He says it when the man in black catches up to them. He says it when the man of black starts climbing the ropes on the cliffs of insanity that only Fezzik was supposed to be strong enough to do. You see, I've seen the movie a lot. He says it a lot over and over again. And because he uses this line so many times, because he uses it so many times, it prompts one of my other favorite lines in the movie, which is when Inigo Montoya Says, uh, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. I love this line. He just says, you keep saying this over and over again. I just, I don't think it means what you think it means. And Inigo is not saying that it's not a great word. He's not saying, hey, stop using the word. He's not saying there's anything wrong with the word. He's simply saying, I don't think you're using it correctly. And so when I see Philippians 4.13 on all manners of things, I mean, you can get this on anything, on T-shirts, coffee mugs, tattoos, wall art, like wherever you bumper stickers, you can get it everywhere. Sometimes when I see it, sometimes when I hear it, sometimes when people claim it, I think to myself, you keep using that verse, but I do not think it means what you think it means. And so Philippians 4.13 simply says, I can do all things through him who strengthened me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, but it does not mean I can deadlift a thousand pounds. I was I was talking to a young man this morning. He was telling me that he's going to the gym. He's going. He's working out. And I said, Hey, man, what's your deadlift? And he told me. And it's really impressive. It's really impressive. But I don't think that if he gets a Philippians 4:13 shirt on, that it'll just like double overnight. I don't think it'll happen like that. As a matter of fact, I know that it won't. I, dude, your deadlift's great. Just keep doing what you're doing. Philippians 4:13, like it's great to know it, but it's not going to help you lift more weight. It doesn't mean you can slam dunk a basketball. I tried it. I just was wondering. I was like, Hey, if I really believe this, can I dunk a basketball? And I can't. Turns out I'm vertically challenged. I can't get up. I don't, have, I don't have hops. I can't do it. It doesn't mean you can climb Mount Everest without training. It doesn't mean that you can grow your company as big as you want it to be. It can't be as big as Amazon. It doesn't mean that you'll win the election and become president. It does not necessarily mean that you will beat cancer. And see, people use this verse and they claim this verse and they talk about this verse all the time as though it is some kind of magical verse that will just allow you to do whatever you want to do. But I want you to know that it is a powerful verse. It is such a powerful verse. It is a verse that reminds us of all that we have in Jesus. It's a verse that gives us good reason to sing. We do the majority of our singing at this church at the end of service, and we do that on purpose because we know that sometimes you walk in here and you need to be reminded of the good news so that you can get ready to sing. We know that sometimes people will walk in here and they don't know Jesus. They don't know anything about Jesus or the gospel or anything like that, and so we sing at the end and we want you to know that this verse and the truth of it is gonna give you really good reason to sing as long as we understand the correct context and have the correct understanding that goes along with this powerful verse. When Paul wrote this, when he said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, he absolutely believes it. He knows it. He is sure of it. But he means I can get through all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can encounter all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can have joy in all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. As a matter of fact, that's going to be our big idea today. Christian, you can endure all things in Christ. You can endure them. And this is good news because we live in a world that is very, very broken. And there will be many, many hard things here that you will have to endure. And you can endure them in Christ who gives you strength. And so from this passage today, we're going to pull out four truths that will give us that good reason to sing. It will remind us of who we are and what we have in Jesus. And the first thing I want you to know is that you can endure all things in Christ And others can help. You can endure all things in Christ, and others can help you. Look what Paul writes here in verse 10, and then what he continues on in 14 through 20. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He goes on and says, yet it was kind of you to share in my troubles, to to share in my troubles. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul has literally been enduring for the sake of Jesus because of Jesus, but these other people have helped him. These other people have helped him. They've encouraged him. They have helped him emotionally simply by caring for him. That He knows that he has people there at this church at Philippi who literally care about him. They've helped him physically, literally helping to meet his physical needs. They've, they've helped him financially, literally taking up offering, literally pulling money together and sending it off to him. The church at Philippi has helped Paul as he endures in Jesus. They're they're helping him. Now again, it's not the church at Philippi taking the place of Jesus to be that which allows Paul to endure, but it is the church at Philippi that is helping Paul as he endures in Jesus. I want us to understand that distinction. It's not the church that is enabling Paul's endurance. It's Jesus that does that. Paul recognizes that he has everything, everything that he needs in Jesus Christ, but this church is helping. They're helping along the way. They're caring for him. And as you endure in Jesus Christ, others can help you too. I want you to know this, that as you endure through Jesus and for Jesus, others can help you. Here's how it practically works at Mission Valley. This is like one of those times like, well, how does this actually work here at this church? Well, the way that it actually works here at this church is that we have meaningful membership here. We say that a member of this church... Is so a believer, a giver, a server, and a learner. And so if you are a member of this church, that means that you are on a service team. It means that you are in a discipleship group where you are known. And when you are known, you will see that people care about you. They'll come alongside of you. It's where people will care about you. It's where people will help you emotionally, physically, and even from time to time financially. At this church, we have a budget for care. We talk about the fact that we have, we have a budget for care. There's a care budget. We set a certain amount of money aside to help meet the needs of people within this church, but we almost never have to spend that because those who are members of service teams and discipleship groups that here are part of this church have other people that they can receive that help from. The church is is comprised of all these different people working together where we care for each other and we take care of each other. And so I have heard of discipleship groups taking up offerings to help pay electric bills, I have heard of people in this church just noticing that somebody doesn't have shoes that fit properly, and so they go out and they get them shoes that fit properly. I have heard of groups in this church taking up offerings to help with all manners of things, helping people move, helping to provide child care for those with little kids, helping to do that, because at this church you will be known and you'll be cared for because this is what Christians do. This is what Christians do. They help care for others. It's what the Christians that comprise the body of believers at Mission Valley do, and it's what the Christians that comprise the body of believers at the church at Philippi did. They are caring for Paul. They're caring for him. They're sharing in his burdens. They're they're helping to take care of him as Jesus gives him what he needs to endure. Now, of course, you're going to have to let others in so they can help. You'd have to let people in. You'd have to be open and honest about what's really going on in your life so that people would have a chance to help. You'll have to be vulnerable. You'll have to be real. You'll have to risk some hurt because sometimes it's scary to be vulnerable, to tell people, like, hey, I'm not really okay. Somebody reached out yesterday and said, I'm just not doing okay. What should I do? And and, and it was great that the person reached out. That person reached out to Penny and I, and we were able to say, hey, this is what we think you should do. Here's how we think we could help. Here are the ways in which you can get help here at the church, but you'll have to be real. But if you will, if you'll be real, you'll be surprised at how much others can help you endure. Again, it is Jesus Christ who gives you strength to endure, but others can and will help if you'll let them. And if it's true that others can not help you, then here's something else that is just as true. You can endure all things in Christ and you can help others. You can endure all things in Christ and you can help others. You know, sometimes people will tell me that they didn't feel like coming to church or they didn't feel like going to to, to group during the week, during one of their discipleship groups. They just didn't feel like it. And I would want you to know that on the days that you don't feel like you need it, on the days that you don't feel like you want to get to church or you want to get to your discipleship group, there may be somebody there that needed you to show up. There may be somebody there that needed you to show up so that you could speak life into their lives, so that you could be a shoulder for them to lean on, so that you could be the one to help carry their burden. And so here's the thing. This is what it says in verse 14. It says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul said it was kind of these people to share his trouble, which means they could have not bothered. They could have not. There's nothing that compels them to. They don't have to. They don't have to decide. to like, well, Paul's in trouble. We're going to help out. They could have said, well, Paul, looks like your life is really hard. I hate it for you. They could have said, well, Paul, looks like life is difficult. You've been literally put in prison. That sure stinks, and I'm sure glad I'm not there with you. But instead, they share in his troubles. They made his troubles their troubles. They said, you know what? We care about you, and we want to help, and you can do that too. I want to give you permission. Maybe you need permission. Maybe you need your pastor to tell you that you have permission to go out and care for people. Maybe you need somebody just to tell you, yes, you have permission. You can go out and care for people. You can notice needs and go out and and, and care for people. You can notice the people in your life are struggling. You can see that they're struggling emotionally and you can have compassion for them. You can see that somebody in your life is just struggling emotionally and you can just reach out and say, hey, I'm praying for you and I care about you. And if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. I want to give you permission to do that. I want to let you know that you can help out physically. You can lend a hand. You can say to that, that mom that's like trying to figure out how to like get these kids and deal with these kids, hey, let me help you. Let me help you. How can I help you this week? I'm going to be at the grocery store. Can I pick something up for you? I notice that you and your husband haven't been able to go on a date in a while. Can we watch your kids for you? You can do that. You can reach out. You can help out physically. And you can certainly help out financially. You can say to somebody, hey, can we, can we bless you this week? We were at the grocery store. We, th- we thought you might need something too. We wanted to help out. Can we, can we help you out this week? Here's some money for gas. I want to give you permission to do that. I want to give you permission to do that. You can help people out. Now, you cannot be someone's savior. This is an important thing. And some of you really need to hear this. So I'm going to say it again nice and slow. You cannot be someone's savior. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can truly give someone what they need to endure. Jesus is the one who sustains us and fills us and gives us what we need. But you can help. You can bless. You can share the load. You can come alongside. You can cheer for, reach for, chase after, and radically love other people as Jesus is giving them what they need to endure. Church, it's Jesus Christ who gives others the strength to endure, but you can help. Third thing I want you to know this morning is this. You can endure all things in Christ, including times of scarcity. I want us to understand this, that we can endure all things in Christ even when times are scarce. Philippians 4, 11 through 12, Paul says this, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low, And I know how to abound in every, in any, and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul has learned how to endure in all things, including times of scarcity. And Paul has endured all sorts of scarcity in and on his mission to make Jesus know he knows what it is to be brought low. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be in need. Paul has endured all kinds of scarcity. Paul has literally endured scarcity of freedom. As he's penning this letter, he is a prisoner. He doesn't even have freedom. He's got scarcity of freedom in this. He's endured scarcity of friendship or camaraderie, literally having times where he is without his friends, where he can't be around other people. He's had scarcity of health, oftentimes being beaten and bruised and just just whipped. He's had scarcity of resources at times, oftentimes not knowing where he's going to lay his head next or what he's going to do for his next meal. Paul has quite literally gone without all sorts of things. He knows what it is to be scarce, and he's learned to endure all of this scarcity because of the abundance he has in Jesus Christ. I want us to be a people who know how to endure all kinds of scarcity because of how much we have in Jesus. To literally think to ourselves, I have so much in Jesus Christ that whatever it is I am lacking is in nothing in comparison to how much more I have in Christ. And if you've lived long enough, if you've lived long enough, surely you have had times of scarcity, times when you did not have much or maybe not enough, times when you really didn't know how you were going to make it. I read a study one time that said that married couples who'd been married for at least 10 years remember those first couple of years as among their fondest. They remember those first couple of years where they didn't have anything as among their fondest. When Penny and I first got married, we had nothing. You've heard of living paycheck to paycheck. We didn't live paycheck to paycheck. We lived shift to shift. We were both, we were both waiter. I was a waiter and she was a waitress. And we knew what we better make in tips for the end of the night, because if we didn't make those, that meant that we weren't going to make the bills this week. And so we wouldn't go home. We would ask people like, hey, would you trade with us? Can we stay later? Hey, I'll roll your silverware for you for $3. I'm like six bucks short. I don't, I don't, we were tight. We were both going to school full time and we were both waiting tables full time and things were tight. We knew exactly how much money we needed to make in tips over the weekend. And if we didn't, we were in big trouble. Those were the days when going out to dinner was like going over to our, my in-laws' house around dinner time and hoping they would invite us to stay. Anybody ever had those nights? Hey, honey, let's do something really fancy tonight. Let's go to your parents' house or like we did last night. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's just go over around dinner time and see what happens. Right? We had no cable, no internet. We clipped coupons. Uh, we, we didn't do anything like that, but we had what we needed. We had Jesus. We were, we were so rich in that. And I remember just like just thinking back, like I don't even know how we did it. I remember in those days, if a car battery died, it may as well be like your house burnt down. Like, oh my gosh, that's fifty dollars. Where are we gonna get fifty dollars? Like, it's crazy. We didn't have any of that. But we had Jesus and we had each other, and it was enough. And I'm confident that in a room of this size, there are probably some of you dealing with scarcity even today. Maybe some of you are having financial scarcity right now. Maybe you're having emotional scarcity right now. Maybe you're having some relational scarcity right now. And I want you to know that it's Jesus who can help you endure. It's Jesus that will help you get through this. Now, one of the ways that Jesus does this is to use others to help. But like Paul, you can endure even if you have been brought low. Even if there's not enough right now of whatever you want there to be enough of, you have more than enough in Christ Jesus. It's Jesus Christ who gives us the strength to endure all kinds of scarcity. The fourth point this morning I want to just pull out of this is to say this. You can endure all things in Christ, including times of plenty. This might seem a little bit foreign, but just go with me for a second. You can endure all the things in Christ, including the times of plenty. This is what he says. Again, we'll read this passage. We just looked at it, but let's look at the other side of the coin here. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You see, as much as Paul knows how it is to be made low, he knows how to abound. He, he knows how to abound. He knows how to deal with those days when he's abounding. He, he knows what it is to have plenty. He knows what it is to have an abundance. And he's learned to endure that too. He's learned to endure that. And some of you might be looking at this saying, Well, how do you, what's a strange statement? Why would you have to endure Plenty. Why would you have to endure abounding? Why would you have to endure that? You may wonder why Paul would have had to endure that kind of thing. Well, I think it's because sometimes when we have plenty, we start to forget where the power to endure comes from. Church, I think that we have to learn how to endure times of plenty. We have to learn to endure good times because when we are going through those good times, sometimes we start to forget where the power to endure comes from. You see, when you have plenty of money, you might forget that money cannot save you. If you start to have plenty of money and everything's going good financially, you might be tempted to forget that money can't save you and you might tend to give money more credit than than it can handle. Church, I want you to know that money will always lie to you. Money will always promise you things that it cannot provide. Money will always promise you safety and security that it can't actually live up to. It'll always happen. And so when you have a lot of it, you may be tempted to start to think that it can somehow do for you that which only Jesus can. And so you want to learn how to endure even those times of plenty so that you can focus on the fact that it's Jesus that lets you endure. When you have plenty of friendship, You might forget that your friends can help you endure, but they cannot save you. They cannot sustain you. They will, from time to time, let you down. And so you have to learn how to endure that. Endure plenty of stuff like that. Endure plenty of friendship. Knowing that, hey, this is great, and it's wonderful, and it's so sweet, but these people are not Jesus. And if I try to make them Jesus, because there's so many of them, there, so if I try to make them Jesus, if I try to make them more than they are, they're going to let me down. When you have plenty of health, you might start to take it for granted. If you've gone through periods of your life where you've had plenty of health, you might start taking it for granted. You might start thinking that it's just always going to be like this. And if that happens to you, you might get really shocked when all of a sudden you get that phone call from the doctor that says, you need to come in, we need to talk. Your life's about to go upside down. I want us to learn how to endure times of plenty. There is wisdom in enduring even times of plenty because those times of plenty are not permanent. Paul is saying, hey, I've endured times of plenty and I've endured times of scarcity and he wants us to endure both of them. There's wisdom in recognizing that in spite of whatever kind of plenty you have, enduring all things only comes from Jesus. Your money will let you down. Your friends will let you down. Your health may let you down. Your situations may let you down. If it was possible for things to give us everything we need, then we would not need Jesus to have joy in all things. If it was possible for people and things to give us all the things we need, we would not need Jesus to help us to endure all things. It's Jesus that does this work. It's Jesus Christ who gives you strength to endure all kinds of plenty. Church, Philippians 4.13 is really a powerful verse. It's a powerful verse. So go ahead and buy your 4.13 cups. Go ahead and buy those shirts. Go ahead and get that wall art. Go ahead and get that bumper sticker. Heck, if you're into it, go ahead and get the tattoo. I just want you to know what it's actually saying. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Heck, shout it from the rooftop on the good days. On those days of plenty, you shout it out loud. Say it through clenched teeth on the bad days. There are days you'll just walk around and be like, oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can endure this through Christ who gives me strength. Whisper it at the end of really, really good days. Say it from behind tear-stained cheeks on the really bad days. You're going to have bad days in this broken world. Days when you really don't know how you're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And on those days, this verse is just as true as it is on the day when you feel like nothing could possibly go wrong. Say this verse and say it loud. Just know what it means. Christian, you can endure all things in Christ who gives you strength, and others can help you. You can endure all things in Christ who gives you strength, and you can help others. You can endure all things in Christ who gives you strength, even through times of scarcity or times of plenty. Christian, you can endure all things in Christ who gives you strength, but of course the same, or the contrast must be true, without Jesus Christ, I don't know how you endure much of anything. Some of you are here today and you don't know Jesus. Some of you came in here today and you don't know Jesus. And some of you came in here and you know Jesus well, but you've been trying to live like you don't. And if you are one of those people, if you're just somebody that doesn't know Jesus, or if you're living like you have forgotten who he is, I want you to know that without Jesus, I don't know how you endure much of anything. I don't really know how you endure the good times without Jesus. I don't know how you endure the hard times without Jesus. I don't know how you endure the times of scarcity without Jesus. I don't know how you endure the times of plenty without Jesus. I don't know where you turn for comfort or help if you don't turn to Jesus. I don't know what you do without him. I really don't. Now, I know, I know where I turned before I knew Jesus. I know where I turned. I don't know where you turned without Jesus, but I know where I turned before Jesus. I know that I turned to temporary happiness found in sin. I know how I turned to temporary happiness found in sin and how every single time that left me feeling worse. I know how I would turn to temporary things to try to seek some happiness in that. And I know how all those things let me down. I know how I turned to the approval of others. I know how I would chase after the approval of others without Jesus just chasing after that, just hoping that these people would think that I'm doing good enough or that I'm that I am enough, that I'm smart enough, that I'm, that I'm whatever enough. I know how I turn to the affection of others, just trying to seek somebody to love me and care for me, just trying to seek somebody that would accept me the way that I am. I know how I turn for that and I remember how t- just, just horrible it would feel when it was never enough. I know how I turn to my own ability to perform or meet particular standards. I remember how exhausting it was to just try to be good enough or strong enough or smart enough or fast enough or enough of anything. I know how many times I did that. No, I don't know where you turn if not for Jesus. I just know that anywhere that you turn beside Jesus will not work for you any better than the places that I turn instead of Jesus worked for me. It just doesn't work. It'll never work. It never sustains. There's not enough of anything else except for Jesus to help you endure. But the good news is that you can turn to Jesus today. There are people in this room that need to just repent and believe. There's people in this room that need to say, you know what, I've been turning, I know Jesus, but I've been looking to all kinds of other things, all kinds of other people, all kinds of other circumstances for which to get endurance. I have been turning to all sorts of other things for which to try to get satisfaction. I've been turning to all sorts of other things for which to get acceptance or joy or endurance or whatever it is you're trying to get. And you need to just repent. You need to say, Jesus, I have put something else in front of you. I have put something up on a higher level than you. And I want to repent of that. Help me to believe in you. And there's other people in this room that would have no idea that all this time, all these things that you've been turning to that aren't Jesus, could never do for you that which Jesus can. Could never help you endure in the way that Jesus can. And for you, you need to just confess and believe. You need to to believe. And so I want to share some really good news with you. It's, It's called the gospel and it sounds like this. God made the world and it was beautiful. God made the world and it was beautiful. It worked exactly like it was supposed to. Everything was exactly right. God made it and it was beautiful, but then man sinned and when man sinned, we broke it. We broke the world. We broke it. And the worst part of this brokenness of this world is that it separated God from his people. It separated us from God. Our sin separated us. God is so perfect and so beautiful that he just can't be around sin. And it's the truth. It's hard truth, but the truth is it's our sin that did that. It's our sin, it's it's my sin and yours that separated us from God, but God had so much compassion for us that he wouldn't leave us in that separated state. He had this unbelievable compassion on us, and so he sent Jesus down here. He sent Jesus down here on a rescue mission to save us. And while Jesus was here, he lived the perfect life that you and I never could. While Jesus was here, he died the horrific death that you and I deserved. And while Jesus was here, he defeated that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. You and I can endure all things in Christ who strengthens us because Jesus Christ has endured all things. He's endured all things. He's conquered all things. He's made all things new. And so I would ask you this morning, can you believe? Can you believe enough to say whatever else I've been holding on to, whatever else I've been turning to, to do that which only Jesus can, I want to just let go of it and give it all to Him. Can you believe? Let's pray. God, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this letter. We thank You for the reminder that we can have joy in all things, that we can endure all, all things in you. How it's you that gives us what we need to sustain. It's you that gives us what we need for salvation. It's you, Lord. And we confess, Lord, that there are so many other things that we look to to do that which only you can. So we ask you to remind us of what only you can do. And Father, if there's anybody in this room today or listening to this sermon at any point in the future that has never believed in you, I ask you to do what only you can do. I ask you to save them. I ask you to give them the faith to believe. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.